Welcome to another edition and episode of the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversation so they can lead more like Jesus. I'm one of the co-hosts, Jim Good. I'm currently serving with Nations of Coaches, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Chad, how are you today? Hey, I'm, I'm fine, Jim. No, Chad. Really, how are you? Oh man! Well, uh, thanks for digging in and, and asking again. I'm I'm pretty good. I'm we're we're six months in here with athletes in action. I I got called up to the uh, to the majors back into coaching. Um, recovering from last night, I had uh, two soccer teams. I'm coaching under four and under eight, and kids these days, man, it was uh, it was a crazy crazy challenge. Under four and under eight, man. You are now on my prayer list a little bit more than at that bottom, man. I moved you to the top. But uh, our listeners, if you stay tuned, you'll understand why I asked him uh, that follow-up because our our guest, Coach Pete Weary, he shares a little bit about asking your athletes how they're doing after they say fine. So the importance of a follow-up. But excited to introduce our guest, Coach Pete Weary. He's currently serving with nations of coaches as the national director uh, he's a former high school coach a former college coach in the sport of basketball currently uh, mentoring uh, eustace high football team so i know leadership i know serving i know mentorship is important to him so excited for you to listen to this episode chad you got any takeaways or some things to look out for for sure, for sure. Uh, and that's why we were so glad to bring you into this uh, podcast world and bring you onto our team is because you brought a question that we have never asked before. And, and you asked Pete, you know, what would be advice that you would give a coach when they're 20, when they're 40, and when they're 60? And all three of those were just rock solid. Uh, really great advice. You got to listen through um, until we get to that point. Totally agree. Uh, and Incredible advice, practical insight on that question. So excited for our listeners to hear that. We're going to get right into the episode now. Enjoy Coach Pete Weary. Coach Pete Weary, welcome. How are you, Coach? I'm good. This is kind of weird because we do our own podcast, like shameless promotion, Weary Dads. And whenever my son introduced me, he always said, it's my co-host. And I go, Dad, that's all I do. So... (laughs) This is a big step for me to, to not be in that spot. All right, different role for you, baby. Well, listen. Yeah, yeah, I can handle it. I thanks got for it. taking the time. Uh, I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you a little bit as I've gotten to know you over the past year. So here's my first question, Coach. What does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Uh, and the funny thing is that, and I start this in my mind, there is a difference. So, um, for me, a Christian coach submits himself to God and then invests in others eternally. There's a bigger picture than just a preparation for uh, a season, games. You're really not even, even, I would say, even uh, preparing kids for life. We talk about that, but for a Christian coach, you're you're investing in them eternally. Big difference for me. Love it. Love that word you used, invest. And man, it is the bigger picture. It's so easy to get caught up in the, you know, the scoreboard and chasing our own success. So appreciate that answer. Hey, let's do this. We're going to rewind, man. I'm going back to growing up in 
Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. No, no. no you were growing up where? I was born in Massachusetts, uh, lived there till I was eight. Then, Jim, I jumped over to Connecticut. All right. I jumped. Uh, I, I I rushed it a little bit. Well, yeah, let, no, it's all good, though. Let's was do this. I was what yep. was a typical day like in the life of Pete Weary when he was eight years old, nine years old, growing well, up? There was, was the there was major pressures of taking the trash out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this is the truth. Uh, during the summer. It was, I got up in the morning. I don't remember anything about getting up. I would go out and play my brother and his friend in baseball. They were all three years older than me. We'd play a game in the morning. Um, when your brother's three years older than you, he should win. And he's playing his friend. It's two on one. Ghost runners, the whole thing. Oh, ghost runners. You take yeah. it back. I would lose. I'd go inside crying, drink a Coke, go back out in the afternoon, and we'd play. I'd lose, I'd cry, drink a Coke. And then in the evening, we'd go out and we'd play and I'd lose and I'd cry and drink a Coke. I think I probably beat him once a week. And, you know, he was older, but I was probably a little bit more skilled. I was, it was, it was me against the world. And if, I, and I think if I people kinda... could see my face right now, I am smiling so big because I'm loving the, uh, drink a Coke. <laughs> That's like your alcohol at age eight, man. You. Oh, no question. Problem. It was my, I was just, I, I just was so, I just wanted to win so bad. So yes. bad. I love it. I love it. I love the, it probably at that age, that is where now God put on your heart. This, this, uh, maybe this love and passion for sports yep. athletics. So yep. tell us a little bit about, about that journey where you, you well, got into athletics, you got into yeah. sports. So fast forward, you know, seven, eight years, I'm 15, 16. My typical days I got up in the morning. Uh, this is going to sound like the, the old man's story, but I would walk about a mile and a half. I worked at a tennis court. Uh, they were green clay, hard true. I would sweep those, water them. And then I was the assistant tennis pro, which meant I answered the phone. Um, basically. Long story short is uh, that's what I did. Athletics, golf, uh, played little. Uh, at that point, it was uh, Babe Ruth, whatever, baseball. And it was all about just sports. And uh, that's when the redemption occurred. That's when I came to Christ. Mm. And I tell people all the time when that occurred, then I had to make this incredible, you know, one of the things I'm sure you're going to ask is my faith story. So this is where I, I come to Christ. Um, that's a six-month process hearing the gospel, thinking it's crazy. Then I come to Christ, and I, like I said, I'm about 15, and all I know is two things, athletics, and I like girls. Mm. I didn't think I could start a women's ministry, so that's how I got involved in <laughs> athletics. That's the honest to goodness truth. Well, let me let me ask you this. At, at age 15 now, beginning your, your, your faith journey, um, and kind of maybe even looking back, over that faith journey, what what's some major spiritual lessons that you, you've learned over your life that maybe even kind of correlate with the lessons athletics teach us and similarities? Well, guess I, yeah, there's, and I think the athletics can teach this. Like, there are things that are out of your control. Mm. The thing I learned, I've learned the most is that God is sovereign, that he reigns, that he has a plan and a purpose, and it's not always what we think it should be. And as a coach, and I believe this firmly, coaches struggle with being control freaks, 
making sure we know exactly what our guys are running, what they're doing, so on and so forth. And then there's just things that are out of your control. And uh, you just can do, have to do your best. And, and, and in life, I just think God's got a plan that's bigger and better than ours. We sometimes try to mold it and uh, put it in a uh, funnel, trying to whitt uh, whittle it down to where we want it to go. And God is like, no, he uses broken cisterns and he, uh, he wants things to be done uh, in a way that uh, we don't get any glory, uh, but we cannot but give him glory for how he does it and uh, weaves. So those are the biggest things I probably have learned. Yeah, I love it. I love it how you use the, even the phrase broken sister. And that, that's how God uses us when we finally totally surrender and commit. And I've learned that in my life that his, his plans, his goals are way bigger than ours. And you're right. As coaches, our personality is to have that practice plan, that game plan. But, you know, a good coach is able to make adjustments at halftime and ultimately spiritually it's, letting God make those adjustments in our life and being open for that. So thank you for sharing that again with Pete Wary. Um, he's currently serving with nations of coaches. We're going to get into that a little bit, but he is a former high school and college basketball coach. And I know that mentorship leadership is important to you. And um, man, you've been a mentor in my life this past year, but looking back, who are some mentors and role models that you had in your life and then the piggyback that maybe, maybe the big lesson that one or two of them have taught you. So I, I don't know why, but I was always an observer. I'm a people watcher. I, I remember things. Uh, I remember details that don't matter to other people. So I just watched all the time. And so in doing that, there were probably a number of people that um, I wouldn't say directly invested in me, but I watched how they handled things. But two people that I do think invested in me was my my stepdad, who's, you know, I call him dad. He's mm -hmm. uh, he's the one that was uh, very, very influential about, hey, this is how you do things. And the biggest thing I learned from him is you go to work, you, you do work, you don't you don't whine and complain. That doesn't get anything done. And the second one was when I was in college, I had the privilege of being um, in people, listeners out there are going to go, what is that? But the head usher, and that was over a crew of about 100 guys. And it was a big deal um, at the school that I went to. It was an opportunity to learn. I didn't see it as them as an opportunity to serve. I thought it was an opportunity of leadership, but it really was learning to serve. And mm. there was a man named Craig Olson that I just watched. His ability to influence and inspire people and even sit on them a little bit but do it in such a way made people not feel intimidated or um lower than other people mm -hmm. just he had a way of, and that was something that not only i learned i i already felt like i had that potential i could exhort and encourage um but how he did it really was an example and it's really interesting as i get older I've had a lot of mentorship from afar uh, mm. by reading. Um, I love Michael Hyatt's books. Um, Michael Hyatt uh, does leadership and uh, he's got a company called, uh, well, a, a store full focus, um, but it's leadership. And there are a number of people that Tony Dungy reading a lot of his books has helped me. So those are uh, people that I have invested in me and then those from afar. What, what's your stepdad's name? Ken. 
can. Beautiful. I love how you started with him and just go to work, man. Keep it practical. Go to uh, work. show up, do the work. No shortcuts to success. I, I want to land on uh, you talked a little bit. I, I read Tony Dungy's book. Um, I believe it was mentor leadership. But before that, you you threw in a, a pretty significant term as you were leaning towards leadership, but you threw out the word serve. And I love that word serve. And you talked about, you know, learning how to serve maybe in that college setting as the head usher. But as you are involved in your role as now a mentor to several coaches, um, what lessons do you maybe share or give with this idea about serving in leadership? Because it's almost like a paradox. It's opposite. And this is... Yeah. Uh, this is the ultimate leadership, but I believe is servant leadership. Well, the, you know, the scriptures are full of paradoxes. Yes. The, the poor shall be rich. That just doesn't make sense. Um, the lowly will be uh, risen to the uh, height. And so there's this whole leadership thing uh, today where and a lot of self-promotion, get your name out there. A lot of, uh, you know, uh, Kids live on huddle and clips and getting yeah. themselves. And instead of just doing the, the next thing to support and serve, well, people, that's uh, um, attractive. And the reason it's attractive is because that's what Jesus did. Like he was the ultimate leader and yeah. um, he, he, it wasn't about him. It was about others. And, you know, our responsibility is pretty uh, careful, but simple. Love God, love others. Yeah. And when you yeah. love other people and, and, and I think coaches understand that, but boy, you know, we have a fear sometimes that we're losing control again. Yeah. No, we never had control. Love God, love others, man. We complicate it sometimes, don't we? Oh yeah, for sure. I know I do. Um, man, the verse in, uh, I believe it's Philippians, in humility, consider others better than yourself. Yeah, that's what, chapter what two, verse verse. four. Look yes. not every man on his own things, but also on the things of others. That's the old KJV, baby. Yeah, there you go. Well, listen, we're talking about mentorship. We're talking about leadership. We have a lot of coaches that listen to the podcast. And my question would be this. Um, what advice would you give, let's say, the 20-year-old coach? He's just getting started. He He's maybe a, maybe a GA, maybe still a manager, maybe just getting his feet wet into this field. Um, the 40 year old coach who's maybe, maybe halftime a little bit, maybe he settled into a position and then let's fast forward to the 60 year old coach and he's, he's winding it down a little bit. So what advice would you give to maybe that 20 year old, that 40 year old, and then that 60 year old? 20 year old, I would encourage them to learn to be quiet. Mm. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. If I was really talking to a 21-year-old coach, I'd say, listen, man, you got your degree and you're going to coach. This is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. If I was doing it all over again, I'd look at my wife and say, I'm going to get a job that allows me to go to every, spend every afternoon at different practices all over the mm. state or country. Yeah. Go to everyone different sports and I would have a notebook. I like this drill. I like how he handled this. I like this scenario. I, 
I well, I, I I might not write this down, but I'll never do that. Yeah, like I would. I, I think you're just you got a degree, but that doesn't mean. And I don't care if you work with one program as a ma- a manager or a GA or whatever. Even if you're 25, I would say take a year. I know a guy that had to take a year because of circumstances. Said it was unbelievable. The 40 year old, I would say, don't lose priorities of things that really matter mm. because it, that's in the midst of season of where you're really working okay take care of your health and build routines into your life that will help you stay balanced with your family your walk with god and your opportunity the six-year-old and i'll say this as kindly as i can if you're not mentoring somebody you're being selfish wow it's Good. not about you like it's just, it's just and and this is the greatest season of my life, you know. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about this. I work with six to eight young men on Sunday nights. I go to a staff of football coaches on Sunday nights. I'm mentoring some high level leaders in basketball. It's why I wake up in the morning. Mm. They they need somebody to bounce things off of or to hear um, truth. And it's not my truth. It's God's truth. Man, that's awesome. That's leading me right into this next question I have for you. Um, the idea about the, the quote that comes to my mind is purpose is an incredible alarm clock. And so I think about you. What is Coach Weary's purpose now? Um, what gets you up in the morning? And you alluded to some of it, but what comes to your mind when that alarm comes off and goes off and you, you hit it and you're ready to just go attack the day? What, what is Pete Wary's purpose? Um, I get it from my mission statement. So for years, you know, I talked about companies and so forth, and I was teaching evangelism and discipleship at a Bible college. And I said, you know what, I ought to have a personal mission statement. So mm-hmm. I will um, mentor and disciple my wife, my family it used to be my two boys, but we added a daughter-in-law and now I have two grandsons. So I will mentor and disciple my wife, my two sons and others that God brings into my life. That's everything else is uh, sometimes necessary stuff to get done. But what's really important is investing in my wife, my family and others for the kingdom. That's why it's easy for me to get up in the morning. Nothing else really matters. Yeah. Beautiful. You are spitting out gold, my friend. Gold. I'm just telling yeah, well, you, taking you know, notes. Yeah. I love it. And my prayer is it's platinum. Yeah. By the time we're done. <laughs> there's a reason why people are attracted to you. And I see it. And you have this sense of humility, but also confidence. And you talked about those paradoxes. You know, it's an upside down kingdom where God calls us for, you know, um, different purposes and your purpose is to impact others and to impact coaches. So that's leading me into, I'm excited for our listeners to know a little more about what it is you do with nations of coaches, what nations of coaches is all about, uh, what your role is and maybe the mission and vision of the ministry. Well, I'm going to go here first. So, so this really interesting is we talked about the sovereignty of God. I am a, in the late 90s, I am coaching at a large public school in Florida, Ocala Vanguard. I have an opportunity to get a job. It looks like I'm going to get it. Um, something occurs, uh, which is a godsend. 
that somebody else gets the job. It's actually for a women's basketball job. A woman comes in to get the job at the end. She's willing to teach exceptional student education. They need, they have that need. The AD looks at me and wants to hire me, but he says, I can't. The truth is she gets the job. And because she gets the job, she's a great fit for that job. I end up going to Indiana with that said, one of my goals was and a dream was to maybe coach college because of that I end up being an assistant coach in college as a Dean of students at a Bible college and then ended up being the head coach hmm. through that. One of the things you get is the privilege of going to the final four. So in 2008, I go to my first final four. And for listeners out there, that's Kansas. I'm, yeah, Kansas versus Memphis. Must be Memphis because he wasn't at Kentucky yet. Calipari was. Mm. All right. So w- w- great game. But but in the in going, it's the world's biggest convention for basketball coaches. So I'm really enjoying that. 2009, I come up and I, I don't mind the listeners laughing. Because there's this booth, and there's a little guy about five foot six or seven, and his name is Jack Lovelace, and he's from Alabama. And the fact <laughs> is, folks, he's pretty good boss. accent, sir. Pretty good accent. Yeah, he's our boss. So I meet Jack, and he tells me this ministry where we go in and uh, we place what we call a character coach, which invests in college basketball programs. And at that point, I'm thinking athletes, but now we know that. The most influential person in most of these young men's lives, and 78% of them come from single or non-parent homes, okay? Catch that stat, folks. 78% single or non-parent homes. The most influential male in their life is their coach, and we're going to get to coach the coaches. We're going to invest in coaches. So in 2000, this is 2009, in 2012, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. I tell my team we have the best year that I've ever had as a coach. I mean, we're really good, but God has called me from 2013 till now for the last nine years, I've been working with nations of coaches and I've had numerous positions because the truth was we were embryonic. I mean, we Mm. were not even close to being toddlers. The truth is we may be toddlers now, like as much as 10 years later, there's there's been so much that uh, is going And, and Jim's part of this team folks. So you understand it, like it's happened. Yeah. And when I joined, we had three men and two uh, ladies. The two ladies were part-time. There were three men, uh, Tommy Kyle, uh, the guy I mentioned, Jack Lovelace, and Dale Clayton. Dale coached at Carson Newman, helped start the Black Coach Association, strong man of God. I'm the fourth guy. I'm the first regional director, and it's actually of Florida. Hmm. It just it snowballs from there, folks. Now we have close to 25 staff members. God is doing a great work, and my role is I'm the national director which I don't know if you folks hear that, but that's really an impressive title. But really what it means is I go wherever we don't have regional directors. So on Monday, I'll be flying to New England, meeting with a school in Massachusetts, Brad McCarr to coach. And also I'll be meeting three or four coaches to invest in them. That's my role. That's what I do. Jim is now over Florida. And that's what I was uh, first called to do when I moved here. But there were some other roles in between. And so we're excited about having Jim on the team and we're, we're striving to invest in coaches and athletes for eternity. Big impact in my life, coach. And I know when I was going through just the same thoughts and just that desire to coach the coaches, as you said it, to, to share the lessons that we are. And it's more now instead of uh, 
linear impact, it's exponential impact. And I didn't even oh, it's big, those that's terms exactly meant right. a couple years ago, but that's what we get to do. That's how we get to serve. It's an amazing ministry. So thank you for the role that you played. Hey, wanted to pivot here a little bit because you talked about being at a couple different places, coaching in high school at Ocala Vanguard up in uh, Central Florida. You went to uh, uh, Christian College up in Wisconsin, I believe, and then came back down to Florida. So as you think about transition, moving, mm. maybe even different careers, I think this would be great for our listeners who some are coaches, they're going through transition, maybe within the program. I, I think about in my life, moving up from JV to varsity, or maybe taking another position uh, at a different school, or maybe moving, you know, across state to another program. So as you think about transition, what are some lessons you learned or even observed in transitioning and how do you transition well? I think this is an important concept. For me, it was, it's pretty easy. I always would tell whoever, you know, leave it better than uh, you got it and how you leave is more important than how you got there. Wow, Everybody's good. excited in a new job. Yeah, But man, I want the, the staff, the people to know that I am not just careful. I use this term ditching. Like leaving it, it, how I leave is going to be more impactful than how um, I arrive. And the truth is, I think in most cases, this is my opinion. Somebody could get on this podcast and say, I don't agree. But I think I, I, I did leave things better than I had them and I left well. And it's part of the thing, you and I talk about this, where we have to raise our own support. And I have so many former athletes parents of athletes that are our supporters some like large amounts some not as large but they're like coach I just want it because I think they knew I cared and I think it's imperative that when you leave you leave bridges not walls mm, that's good that's good I, I know I needed to hear that I need to be reminded of that I'm sure we have a lot of coaches that are either going through a transition right now or they will face that transition. Yeah, they will happen. Love your advice. Love your thought on that. Um, let's let's lean into this. I'm going to ask you this, and then we're going to finish out with a little little fun exercise here as our time is winding Ooh, up. Fun, but, fun. Hey, hold, curb your enthusiasm, sir. Yeah, curb it. Okay. Wow. But again, with Pete Weary, national director, nations of coaches, former high school coach, former college coach a great mentor to me and so many others. Appreciate you, coach, taking the time to do this. But uh, here, here's what I want to ask you, man. What What is one of your proudest moments on the court, but then off the court? And, and I, I say moment, I, I'm sure there may be one or two, but if you can just think of, you know, proudest moment on the court and then off the court. So before you have any mountaintop experience, you usually, you know, usually there's got to be some valleys. And so, my second to last year at Northland, we were pretty talented, but we were way young. Mm -hmm. So we lost like eight in a row, five by less than five points. And that was a very difficult time. And then the next year, God blessed me with a couple of more uh, players that are really, really good. And they were mature and they helped the other guys mature. And for any coach out there that thinks that you do these things, you need to smile. You got to have the right people. Um, and the right spirit and stuff. So that year we were uh, regional champs and we went to the national tournament. And uh, fact is I was regional coach of the year, national coach of the year, which still blows me away 
Because the year before, I lost eight games in a row. And I went, man, I'm the same idiot I was last year. Um, so that was a great moment. But the, the, the biggest moments are now. Hmm. Are now when a young man calls me with uh, either uh, incredible blessing. Um, I'll, I'll tell you one, if I can. Yeah, please. I have uh, three kids in one family that I loved dearly. They had come to our ministry. Um, the oldest brother was a really good soccer player. He never sat still. I actually called him Static. Um, that was his nickname. His uh, sister was a sweet girl, godly girl. She married the first kid I ever coached, um, who ended up being a missionary in Bangladesh and Indonesia. The younger brother was not a good athlete. He played soccer for us. He did everything he could, but he was not a great athlete. But he was a great kid. And his family went through a really, really difficult time, and the parents divorced. And there was so much to that story. And I walked up to the kid one time when he was in the locker room, uh, not athletic locker room, but out with books. And I said to him, hey, man, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. Hmm. And I said, fine's a paper cut. How are you really doing? And he turned around and he put his head on my shoulder and he sobbed. Hmm. I don't want to, I don't know if I can make it any more dramatic. I mean, it was uncontrolled, but he had stuff all over my shirt. I was like, oh, my goodness, like he is sobbing. <laughs> And so he supports me monthly now and not a little bit. And he wrote me an email and he said, coach, don't stop asking kids how they're doing after they say they're fine. Wow. Keep asking them if fine's a paper cut. Mm. And then, you know, another one, I coached a kid in the, uh, at Vanguard in baseball, never knew this. And he later on shared with me that he made a profession because he had watched me for a year and that I had the joy of Christ. I was like, man, I don't know what, like some, and so, that that those are just that's off the court. That's gold. Yeah, that whew, that's powerful right there, man. Because I know so many times um, I walked through the hallways, through chapel, through the cafeteria, and I was flying like. And I'm leaning in towards John Maxwell's uh, advice: walk slowly through the crowd. And what you said right there is God put it on your heart to start walking a little slower. And then when someone shoots back with that, fine, we, we know there's more to it. And I, I know 20 year old Jim, 20 year old Pete probably just, I'm speaking for you. We probably just ran right past that, you know, and now we're able to just kind of slow down and really, really invest in our kids. So man, powerful words right there. Um, hey, we're getting ready to close up shop here a little bit. I'm going to, have a word of prayer in a second, but here, here's what I like to do when I end. I, I call it our rapid fire. Hey, before you do that, do you notice this? I just caught it. I have a headset on. Look at my head. Oh, hey, it fits in. Don't there tell great, anybody. Man. Don't tell it's anybody. Great. Squirrel. Oh, shoot, squirrel. Well heard. Squirrel. All right, I'm ready. Give me the. All right, here it is. Rapid fire. I'm, I'm getting the alarm or the alarm clock. I'm getting a stopwatch out. You got a minute. You got to answer yep. ten of these in a minute. So we're gonna go fast. You have to think of the first thing that comes to your mind. Are this you could ready? be trouble. Here we go, man. I hope you're ready. Starting the clock in three, two, one, go. Favorite junk food? All. What? All, all junk food. Oh. <laughs> all. Not okay. good. Okay. Staying away from it. Your go-to restaurant? 
Uh, someplace with state. Okay. Uh, favorite sport to watch? United States men's national soccer. Wow. Favorite sport to play? Come on, you still play something. Yeah, the, the truth is at this age, golf. All right. Uh, truck or car? Uh, truck if I could. Truck. <laughs> Book? Or, or SUV, something I can run okay. over a tree with. All right. Book or a movie? Man, 50-50. Okay. 50-50. I love right, both. I got you. Uh, cabin in the Woods or Beach oh, Cabin in the Woods. Nice. I, I don't even know what the other one. You give me a Cabin in the Woods near a lake with a cup of coffee. All right, here we go. Hurry up. We got three more. Favorite Bible character? Ah, uh, man. Peter. Okay. Favorite Bible verse? 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. Nice. And last but not least, we got five seconds. One word to describe you. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Out of control. <laughs> Out of control. Not one word, one phrase. <laughs> you are not you stuff. are not dumb, my friend. Here, here's I'm gonna give the word to describe you, man. You're a servant. Oh, You're a servant. I appreciate you. I appreciate the impact. Hey, as we end, uh give me something specific. How can I pray for you? And I want to close this up in a word of prayer. And I thank you for sharing, man. I've enjoyed this. I hope that, and I know our listeners will, but I hope you enjoyed spending time with us as well on the Christian Coach Podcast. But Pete Wary, how can I pray for you, man? Yeah, this is an easy one. Because one of the things you talk about, maybe asking was my hero, and this is going to probably surprise everybody. My hero is probably right now my wife. Mm. Right now she's taking care of my parents. Uh, my mom and dad are 89 and 88. They are about ready to go into assisted living. My dad broke his arm. He's got 101 doctor appointments. She's juggling all that, striving to serve nation, the coaches, striving to be a wife. So my hero and someone that needs support and prayer is my wife right now. And I know Lisa. She is a hero. Oh, yeah. She, you are well, blessed. She is the better half. Not a question. <laughs> well, let's not do this. Let's, let's close in prayer, huh? God, thanks for an incredible uh, conversation. Thank you for Pete, his testimony, his impact. Thank you for... His mentorship on so many people, myself included. I thank you for the incredible ministry of Nations of Coaches. Thank you for this time that we can connect. I, I pray for um, specifically now, as he mentioned, um, just his family, what he's going through. Thank you for his wife, Lisa, and her testimony and just her impact in their marriage. I pray for his uh, mom and dad, Lord, as I know um, aging parents is, uh, man, that's a tough, tough ride. And we just... Lift them up to you. Pray for all the details with the assisted living and just the finances that go into that. Um, we put that in your hands. We know you're a big God and you want to um, meet our needs and we pray that they will be according to your will. Again, thank you for this time that we can meet and connect and thank you for the power of serving you, the impact we can have on coaches, on athletes and pray that we'll do that to our best ability. We ask this all in your name. Amen. 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 Jim, that was so good. I loved this interview with Pete. Um, just learn about more about Nations of Coaches as well. Uh, a lot of respect for the work that you guys are doing um, to influence the coach. We know the coach is just um, a person that can have a major, major influence on their players and on their communities. And uh, and yeah, the story about him getting, you know, snot on his sh shirt uh, from asking that young man, you know, how are you really doing? And, and just, that's all it took for that kid to open up and come into his arms. So that, that really impacted me. And, uh, and yeah, like we said before, the, 
advice uh, the in their 20s, thinking through like, man, coach, what are you going to do to grow and learn? And, and even his point to go visit other other sports, other teams, uh, other schools to just learn as much as possible about coaching. But those those were a few things that that really stood out to me. And I will highlight the if you can watch on, on video, we're up on YouTube, but I love just seeing Pete. Uh, you and him interacting together. Uh, it brought a lot of joy just to see you guys kind of hanging out on the screen. Pistol Pete is what I call him, man. The pistol. Uh, no, what a great mentor to me in this transition and learning a lot from him and his role. Um, and I know you guys are doing similar things with athletes in action, but uh, coaching the coaches and what a powerful, uh, you know, occupation and role these we as coaches have. But yeah, that story really, man, resonated with me so many times. I, I would ask my athletes, even my own kids or family, you know, how you doing and just kind of settle for that answer. And there was so much more than what they're going through. So reminded like John Maxwell encouraged us to walk through that crowd slowly and really be intent on doing that. So again, a great conversation. Enjoyed the time. Uh, thanks for listening. And we remind all our listeners when we close, the mission field is right where you are at.